Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I'll give you my conference finals recap and also the NBA finals preview. Also, I have some other news items that we'll cover as well. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we are back once again, your boy GD with the All Things Basketball Podcast. And right about now, we're going to go over the conference finals in each of the conferences, East and West. And then I will give you my finals preview. So we'll have all that to cover. But I did want to start with the other news first, and then I'll circle back and do my recap of the conference finals and then your NBA Finals preview. So let's do it that way, shall we? So first news item, Carmelo Anthony retires. So he makes a video of it. Beautiful video, by the way, how his son is now the new generation and what he's expecting from him. But in it, he announces his retirement from the game. So let's take a look at his career. 19 years in the league. He was the third pick in that famous 2003 draft, the one with LeBron, the one with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and those guys there. He was the third pick in that draft. He finished his career averaging 22.5 points per game. He never averaged below 13 points a game in his career, guys. Pretty impressive. And then his 28,289 points ranks him, as he retires, ninth on the all-time list. So, pretty amazing stuff that Carmelo's in the top 10 closing out his career. Along with 6.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists, a steal per game, his shooting average for his career, 44.7% from the field, 35.5 from three-point range, and 81.4 from the free throw line. So pretty good stuff there. In his career, he started out with Denver. That's the team that drafted him. He was there for about seven and a half years. And then, of course, he got traded at the trade deadline to the New York Knicks, where he spent six and a half years there. So a bulk of his career in Denver, then in New York. He spent two seasons with the Portland Trailblazers, a season with the Oklahoma City Thunder, a brief 10 games with Houston. Then he was traded by Houston to Chicago, but he ended up never playing for Chicago and they essentially waived him. And then he had a season with the Lakers where he played with his good friend, LeBron James. In his career, the highest he ever finished in terms of the MVP voting was third And that was the year that he led the league in scoring. I'll get to that in a minute. He's a 10-time All-Star, 6 times All-NBA, second team twice, third team four times. He was on the All-Rookie team. He led the league in scoring 2012-2013 season with a 28.7 point average. He was named on the NBA 75th anniversary team. He received the Social Justice Champion Award, 
one that's now named after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he won that during the 2020-2021 season. He started out his basketball career at Oak Hill Academy. There he won 42 games in a row. And then he went to college at Syracuse. And there he had one of the most amazing freshman seasons you'll ever see where he led them to a championship. He was named the Final Four's most outstanding player. He was a second team All-American. USBWA National Freshman of the Year. Oh, and during his high school days, he was a McDonald's and Parade All-American as well. Internationally, four gold medals, three Olympic gold medals that he got in 2008, 2012, 2016. And then in 2007, he got the FIBA Americans Championship, the gold medal there. And two bronze medals. Those he got pretty young. He got his first one in 2004 when the Olympic team played in Athens. Actually, LeBron was on that team as well. That was the team you had, Stephon Marbury, Tim Duncan, and that was a team that came up short. And then two years later in the World Championships, they got bronze there as well. Still a relatively young player. So, guys, that is Melo's career in a nutshell. A lot of people are saying... Oh, will the Knicks retire his jersey? I believe they do, actually. I believe they do. I said on social media, yeah, they do that, but they should have retired Bernard King's jersey, but I digress. That's a subject for another day, but I think Melo's jersey will get retired. He was one of those players who wanted all the smoke. He wanted to come to New York. A lot of people questioned the reasons for him coming here. Was it to win or to build his brand? You know, they, they go back and forth with that. But nonetheless, he came here and he, he was able to have some success here. Got the team all the way to the second round of the playoffs one year. But that was about the size of it. But he did win his scoring championship while with the Knicks. So that says something there. So I think he does get his jersey retired. I think the bigger question, to be honest... Will the Denver Nuggets retire his jersey? Remember, he left there on acrimonious terms, basically, because he basically said he wanted out. He wanted to go to the Knicks. And then his coach at the time, George Call, was not happy with the whole situation and kind of been panning him ever since. I think that's the larger question because he spent the most time of his career in Denver. So I think that's the more interesting question. I think the Knicks do retire his jersey. Denver, that's a bigger question, as I said. So, Speaking of the Social Justice Champion Award, let's move to the next item. Steph Curry with the Golden State Warriors wins the 2022-23 Social Justice Champions Award. And like I said previously, it's named after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he got it for his voting initiatives, two of them that he's involved in. When We All Vote, that's one where he's the co-chair of that organization there. He was named by First Lady at the time, Michelle Obama, and he's still involved with that. And then the Freedom to Vote, that's the social media initiative to get people out there to drive the vote and voter education as well so 
and also awareness concerning community safety. And he does that in partnership with his coach, Steve Kerr. They go out and speak and so forth. So Steph Curry wins the Social Justice Champions Award. Kudos to him. Third news item, Nick Nurse to be named the next Philadelphia 76ers coach. Nick Nurse has ties to the GM Daryl Morey, the president over there with the Sixers. He actually coached with the Houston Rockets G League team and led them to a title in 2013. And that was prior to him getting the Toronto assistant coach's job, which he held for five years until he became head coach. I mentioned previously his coaching record. 227 wins against 163 losses. That gives him a percentage of about 58.2% win percentage. The one championship he got in his first year there. And then he won coach of the year actually the following season in 2019-2020 season. So Nick Nurse. Also, during the interviewing process, he was able to sit down with Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid gave his stamp of approval. That leads me to ask, will James Harden now come back? We know it's been mentioned that he had issues with Doc Rivers, so now that you bring in a Maury guy, will James Harden come back? Will he resign with them, or is he still on this kick of going to the Houston Rockets? Oh, by the way, Jalen Green, the young player over there. A lot of people tried to make it sound like he didn't want him there. He just thought it was interesting that he would want to come back here. And I, I'm with him. It's very interesting. Why would he want to go back there? To me, it's just, again, to fill up the stat sheet and get numbers. Other than that, what is his driving motive to go there? They're a team still in rebuild. They're going to get a young player in this coming draft. So what is the end game for Harden? I don't know, but I will say, I think I'll say he'll go back to the Sixers. I think he'll go back to the Sixers. Him and Mari, they have this relationship there. I think he does return, especially with a coach that's been in the Rockets program. So my guess is Nick Nurse know a little something about Harden as well and He's able to get the most out of him once Harden comes back and resigns. So I'm going to say Harden stays in Philly. All right, so in other coaching news, the Milwaukee Bucks, they are to hire Adrian Griffin. Adrian Griffin, actually, oddly enough, was Nick Nurse's assistant coach at Toronto. So he was there five years with Nick Nurse. So he gets the Milwaukee job, so... Adrian Griffin, this is his first time out as coach, so we'll see how he does over there. Very interesting hire. The Milwaukee Bucks like what they heard from Griffin, so he gets the job. So that's your coaching news. Let us move on. Scottie Pippen trashes Michael Jordan. Oh gosh, I just chuckled over this story, but we'll talk about it. Scottie Pippen... First of all, he didn't like the Last Dance documentary. I think that's public knowledge. He didn't like how he's portrayed in it. He could be seen in a better light, but that wasn't the case. If you listen to the interview, first of all, it's pieced together. So it seems like it's more of a got you video than anything else because it's chopped up. 
So, and it, it only gets the sound bites that people will pay attention to. To me, that's a bit disingenuous. But I think if you listen to it, hitting behind what people are deeming as hatred, him hating on Jordan, there's some kernels of truth in it. Then this is from a guy who I'm not the biggest Scotty lover fact from what he did to my Knicks as well as Jordan. I ain't too thrilled with him, but you know, I respect his style of playing basketball. But here's a couple of things that he said that kind of can't argue with. Michael Jordan didn't begin winning until the team came together, which is true. Remember, he was playing in the playoffs against the Celtics, got the 63 points. They still lost that game. Why? It was all about Jordan. It wasn't about the guys around him. So you start to draft guys like Scottie Pippen. Well, you made a, a trade in the draft and brought Scottie Pippen over. Then you draft a guy like Horace Grant. You bring in a Bill Cartwright via trade. You get a guy like Craig Hodges, who was important to that program early on. You get these players in and Phil Jackson's able to mesh them together. Then you have a winning team. So that's not far from reality, guys. He didn't begin winning until the team came together. That's true. And then also, Michael Jordan didn't have the best relationships with his teammates. That's true. That you saw in the documentary. He didn't have the greatest relationship with Horace Grant. That's why he was running out the door once he became a free agent. There's some truth in that. The way they did Craig Hodges, I'm sure Michael Jordan... You had to get him to sign off in terms of the blackballing of Craig Hodges. So, I mean, there's there's truth in that. He wasn't the best when it came to relationships with his players. The fight with Steve Kerr. So, again, it's hard to argue with that. You know, people want to bring up the fact that, oh, now Scottie Pippen's ex-wife is with Michael Jordan's son. So, this is why he's... Got all this vitriol towards Michael. That's why he's always putting LeBron above Michael. <sighs> I hear you. I hear you. Do I think some of that played into it? Maybe. Maybe. But I think when it comes to this whole GOAT conversation, which, again, I'll bring it up. I think it's the silliest argument in sports right now. The NBA GOAT conversation, it is the silliest argument because, again, you have different eras to measure what a LeBron James is doing in this era where social media is so high. Back to Jordan during his days. Sure, you had 24-hour media, but it's not like it is today. So, him being able to run off to Atlantic City to gamble before playing the Knicks in the playoffs. You know, it was mentioned, but it wasn't given the kind of the spotlight that LeBron James, if he were to do that, people would go nuts. And then, of course, you have Wilt Chamberlain, who played during his era. A lot of people say, oh, you know, centers in his day, they were all short people. And, you know, he, he, that's why he was able to dominate and all. Again, to me, the GOAT conversation is the silliest argument in all the sports when it comes to judging the NBA greatest of all time. That's my opinion. So, anyway, Pippen will bring up LeBron and he'll say, you know, LeBron, people want to play with LeBron as opposed to Michael Jordan. You know, there's some truth in that too. A lot of people really do like to play with LeBron because of the way he plays and he evolves other people. 
You even saw it in these playoffs here, which I'll talk about in a minute. So I don't think that's out of the realm of ridiculousness. So if that's Scottie Pippen's opinion, so be it. So uh, who, who am I to say? I'm not going to get all lavered up over it. Let me put it that way. So if that's his opinion, fine. You'll run with it. So that's all I'm going to say about that. So let us move on. Next news item, John Morant's health check-in. On May 24th, John Moran puts out this media post, social media post rather, on Instagram. Of course, he's back on Instagram. You would think he would play it low on there. But anyway, he puts out this, what people deemed as a cryptic message, a little video montage. Love you, Ma. Love you, Pops. You the greatest baby girl. Love you. Talking about his daughter. And then the last video clip is him saying bye. A lot of people took that and ran with it. They thought he was should be on suicide watch and all kind of thing. But the Tennessee police did a welfare check on the newly suspended John Morant after his cryptic messages on, well, cryptic message on IG. But they talked to him and the message really was about Ja taking a mental break from social media. So... Which, you know, dare I say, even that this goes on social media, these, you know, my videos and stuff. Sometimes it's good to take a mental break from social media because it's just too much on there. It really is. Between all the comments and everything else, it could be a lot. So he said he's taking a mental break from social media. Again, he was suspended from all team activities by the Memphis Grizzlies organization after a second IG live with him in the video brandishing a firearm. And that was done on May 13th. A video that Commissioner Adam Silver, when he was interviewed by Malika Andrews of ESPN, he said he was shocked by it. So we'll see what kind of ramifications come behind that for John Moran once the investigation is done, of course. So, you know, mental health, it's a major concern in this country. But yet we are slow to do something about it. It's something that people are hanging their hat on to blame this and blame that. But yet we're doing nothing about it. So I think more action should be put behind that. But nonetheless, it was good for the police to check in with him because you never know with these things. So, of course, wish the best for this kid. Uh, hopefully he can get his mind right, his life right, and then take it from there. But the optics are bad, guys. The optics are bad. I'm not even going to sit here and lie about it. These are bad optics, but we'll see how it goes. Anyhow, so the last one I'll talk about briefly is the WNBA's early rankings. So far, your number one team, no surprise, the Las Vegas Aces. They look terrific right now. Everything's coming together. And the scary thing is Kelsey Plum hasn't really got off the way she normally does. It's been a lot of Jackie Young, of course, Aja Wilson. And then, of course, your two pieces that you brought in, Candace Parker and Alicia Clark, have been tremendous pickups for them. Last year, the criticism of if there was any of them was they didn't have a bench. Now they have a solid bench. Yeah, so as I wrote on a post on Facebook, the rich gets richer. So they look real good now. 
Second, not a surprise also, New York Liberty. They're 2 and one right now. I think they're about to take off right now. Brianna Stewart's looking great. There is some concern about Jaquel Jones. I think she'll come around. She's still dealing with that injury that she had in training camp. So I think that's playing a part in her slow start. So I expect her to round into shape as the season goes forth. Your third team, Connecticut Sun. Bit of a surprise, but you know, a lot of the pieces are still in place there. You got a solid base with Alyssa Thomas, Dewana Bonner, also Brianna Jones. So you still have that foundation there. So they're looking good so far. Stephanie White is pushing all the right buttons right now. It's early, so we'll see what happens. Your fourth place team, Washington Mystics. Elena Deladon looks amazing, guys. It's just, you know, you need the team to respond and rally around her. Shakira Austin looks fantastic in her second season in the WNBA. Natasha Cloud, of course, their floor general. You like her to shoot better from the field, but that's story for another day. Ariel Atkins, you still have there. So they'll be in the mix. Make no mistake about that. My surprise team, that's the fifth ranked team. This is Chicago Sky. I said in my preview, Quaid, I wouldn't count him out, and I was so right about that. Wrong about the prediction, of course, but you know it's early, obviously. But he has them playing well, playing competitive. I told y'all from the outset, Kalia Copper, that was going to be her team. But Mabry, she's playing very well right now. Courtney Williams is a solid contributor. Her coming into free agency, Elizabeth Williams looks good. So that team's looking good right now. And again, Quaid is pushing all the right buttons. So we'll see what happens. Dallas looks good. Of course, Rika Agumbawale. Oh gosh, she looks amazing right now. So they're going to be in the mix. Los Angeles Sparks, I expect them to be in the mix as well. Two of their losses came to the Las Vegas Aces, so I'll give them a pass on that. I think they'll be solid this year. The Phoenix Mercury, of course, with Brittany Griner being back, so they're going to be in the mix, I believe. Also, right now, you well, you actually have four teams with a 1-2 record. Los Angeles Sparks, Phoenix Mercury, the Atlanta Dream and the Indiana Fever. I think of those four, probably the Sparks and the Mercury, there'll be those teams there that will be among the playoff contenders. And then you have pulling up the rear, Seattle, as I imagine, but also the Minnesota Lynx. I'm surprised they're not playing as well right now. A lot of people are questioning Cheryl Reed, how she's giving the minutes to Ariel Powers and all those things. So, going to be interesting to see if the Minnesota Lynx can turn things around, but it doesn't look good so far, guys. So, that is your quick look at the early rankings for the WNBA. Now, let us get to the Conference Finals recap. Let us start with the series that ended first. The number one seed, the Denver Nuggets, defeating the number seven seed, the Los Angeles Lakers, four games to none. So they swept the Lakers. Here's how they did it. 
Game 1, Denver 132-126. Then in Game 2, also in Denver, Denver gets it 108-103. to Then going back to L.A., Denver gets that game, 119-116. to And then in the clinching game, a game that was pretty close, but Denver pulls it out. LeBron James has a monster game where he drops 40 points, but not enough, guys. So Denver was able to get the win. And that game, actually, Roy Hachimura, who had a very good series until that last game, only 10 points on 3 of 12 shooting, along with 7 rebounds. And then Anthony Davis, who had a fine series, but came up short in that last game, only 21 points. 6 of 15 shooting, which is subpar for him, but he was 9 for 10 from the free throw line. 14 rebounds, 3 blocks in the game. For Denver, Nikolai Jokic once again averaging a triple-double. His team looking very good. Also over a steal and a block per game, shooting over 50% from the field. Solid from 3, actually terrific from 3. And then from the free throw line, solid across the board. So, Jamal Murray led the team in scoring. He had another amazing series. I mean, this this kid is on a roll right now, guys. Uh, shooting from the field, absolutely tremendous. He actually led the team in that above Nikolai Jokic. A sensational from three. He took 20 free throws, only missed one, guys. So, this guy is locked in. Then you had your contributors, Michael Porter Jr., as well as Aaron Gordon, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown. You got double-digit scoring for all those guys. So when you have balanced scoring like that, you're hard to beat, guys. You're really hard to beat, especially with your two horses really getting things done. So that's the Denver story there. For the Lakers... A lot of LeBron James, that's for sure. He led them in minutes, led them in scoring, led them in assists, shot it from the field nearly 52%, was horrendous from three. A lot of the team actually was horrendous from three, except for a few players like Austin Reeves. But LeBron leading the way, of course. Anthony Davis, when you look at his numbers, they look good. But in that fourth game, that's where, you know, you needed your big guns to show up. And he he didn't quite do that, guys. He shot okay from the field. He usually shoots better than that. From the free throw line, took 40 free throws, only missed five. So, I mean, again, the numbers look good. But you want him to show up when the lights are the hottest. So, And then your... Third best performer was Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves, I tell you what, guys, he has played himself into a massive, massive contract extension. He had a great series. I mean, all things considered, he had a great series. Shooting was amazing. From three, he was nearly automatic. And he was perfect from the free throw line. So, Austin Reeves really going to cash in on these playoffs here. So, I expect... Well, I'll tell you what's next for the Lakers in a few. Rui Hachimura, he had a solid series. But again, that game four didn't really come through for the team. So, 
Then you had your guards like Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell. They were pretty much MIA guys. They both shot it horrendous from three-point range. And not all that great from the field either. Between the two, you only got a little over 13 points a game. That's not going to get it done. Not against a Denver team. The Lakers got big questions here. So, with that said, let us talk about what's next for the Lakers. Of course, the big talk is LeBron's future. (sighs) Let me say this. A reporter's going to ask him. That's an obvious question. You know, what's next for you, LeBron? And, of course, in this 20th season, he's going to ponder things. That's just the nature of being 38 and in the league 20 years. You're going to be reflective. It's not to deflect. It's not to take credit away from Denver. This is a legitimate question. He gave a legitimate answer. For him to ponder his future is legitimate to me. So, for everybody to run and say, oh, is he retiring? Oh, and then run to his IG and see, oh, he puts this post up of a Jay-Z song. And I, What are we doing here? What are we doing? First of all, the man just lost in the playoffs. So, the emotions are going to be where they are. So, for us to take what he says in a post-game press conference and run with it, I think that's... I don't think that's uh, wise. Let's let's put it that way. So, And then he hinted towards a possible foot surgery. Because you know he dealt with the foot issue prior to the playoffs. And the fact that he played as well as he did. Really says something about this man. His work ethic. And his will to push himself. He has two more years guys. At $97 million. So that's a lot of money to walk away from. That's for sure. So. We'll see what he does, but I don't expect him to make a decision anytime soon in that regard. So, guys, keep looking at his IG if you want to try and find veiled messages, but I'll wait until he officially says something. What to do with Anthony Davis? He doesn't give you a full season. You know, there's always one injury or another and so forth. He has two more years left at 83.8 million so I would have to couple that with LeBron's decision which I feel he'll come back I think if by some chance LeBron decides to hang it up I think immediately they would try and deal Anthony Davis and just start rebuilding again because they got a lot in front of them that that's for sure I think a lot hangs on whether LeBron and AD makes their return with the Lakers. And this leaves some big decisions here for Jeannie Buss, for Rob Palenka, and that organization there. Right now, on your roster, officially, you have a Mo Bamba there. You have Jared Vanderbilt. You have those guys for another year under contract. But you got a lot of free agents here. D'Angelo Russell, he's going to be a free agent. Dennis Schroeder. Roy Hachimura, he's a restricted free agent. Also, Austin Reeves, restricted free agent. Lonnie Walker, unrestricted. Malik Beasley, who you didn't see a lot of in these playoffs here. Sure could have used them, but they have a team option on him. So we'll see what happens there. And then, you know, the big question, of course, is will they pursue Kyrie Irving? Let me say this. Kyrie, you, you go to... A Lakers game, you sit courtside, and for you not to expect people to 
make speculations about your future, it's just asinine for you to think that no one would say something and connect you with possibly being a Laker. It's crazy for you to think that. I'll give you an example. In last year's playoffs, where you saw Julius Randle and a few of the, I believe Thibodeau was there as well. I th believe Leon Rose was at the Dallas Mavericks Utah Jazz Series. Everybody ran with that, saying, oh, they must be trying to recruit Jalen Brunson. Maybe they talking to Donovan Mitchell as well. Who knows? So, for you, Kyrie, to think that no one should be talking about your basketball future, you play basketball. So, they're going to talk about you in terms of basketball. They're not talking about your private life. They're not talking about other things. They're talking about basketball. You're a basketball player. They're talking about basketball. If you're a plumber, we wouldn't be talking about what your future is as a plumber. So this whole idea that the media shouldn't speculate about your future is it's crazy talk because you are going to be a free agent. So there's going to be speculation about your future. That's just the nature of things. So again, there's questions about Kyrie. Supposedly there's a handshake deal between him and Mark Cuban the owner of the Mavericks, so we'll see how true that is when the dust settles. So, Alright, so that is your Western Conference Finals recap. Let's now go to the Eastern Conference, where we just saw this series in in seven games, where the number eight seed, the Miami Heat, defeat the number two seed, the Boston Celtics. Here's how they did it. Miami takes the first game, 123 to 116 in Boston. Miami takes game two, 111 to 105 in Boston. So Miami goes to Boston and take those first two games. So now Boston goes to Miami down 2-0. Miami takes game three, 128 to 102. So Miami's up in this series, three games to none. Everybody said, hey, oh, maybe you'll have two sweeps in the playoffs. Not the case. Boston comes back and wins that game four in Miami, 116-99. to 99. Then they go and win game five back at TD Gardens, 110-97. Then Miami goes back to their home and they lose to Boston there in a heartbreaker. 104 to 103, Boston gets the win on a tip-in right at .1 seconds in the game. Absolutely crushing. But with Miami's back against the wall, heading back to Boston for a game seven, where Boston is pretty much has a history of closing the deals in game seven, that wasn't the case. And Boston doesn't make history as the one team that overcomes a 3-0 deficit. And Miami gets the win here, 103-84. So for Miami, Miami, of course, led by Jimmy Butler, who had a solid series. Still not shooting the great from the field, guys. And his three-point shooting, you know, it was, it was okay in this series. It wasn't as bad as the Knicks series. And from the free throw line, pretty much reliable. He only missed nine free throws out of 54, so you'll take that. But your second best player was Khalid Martin, guys. 
he had a series where he started two of the games, but he still had a solid series, guys, averaging over 19 points a game, shooting terrific from the field, outstanding from three, and only went to the line eight times, missed one, so you'll take that. Bam out of Bayou, I thought he would have to do more in this series, but I guess he didn't enough, averaging nearly 15 points a game himself, over nine rebounds. You know he's not going to hoist a lot of threes, but he was solid across the board. Gabe Vincent, who ends up missing game six, that crucial game six, had a solid series, very good series for him. Overall, was terrific from three, so you'll take that. Duncan Robinson, you know, in limited time, this guy does damage, man, especially if you let him get off from three. And he was solid from three, guys, solid from the field as well, so... Only went to the free throw line five times, made them all. And then Matt Struess did not have such a great series. Didn't shoot it all that well from the field either, guys. And from the three, he was okay. He was okay there. Then you had contributors like Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love. That's your Miami story there. For Boston, it was a lot of Jason Tatum, not a lot of everything else, guys. Jason Tatum, you know, he pretty much carried the load per usual. So, was horrendous from three, though. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's your story there. Jalen Brown, that's the issue to this whole series. He was below par, guys. I, I wish I could give him an out here, but 19 points a game, over six rebounds. Only shot it nearly 42% from the field was atrocious from three and from the free throw line you know he has his issues there he was okay but I think that's the biggest story to why Boston goes home Jalen Brown especially in a game seven where Jason Tatum tweaks his ankle so you would definitely expect Jalen Brown to step up but he didn't do that so very alarming guys in fact your guy who stepped up in that game seven White had a sensational game seven. And for the series, he was pretty good. Shot it well from the field. Shot it tremendous from three. Between him and Grant Williams, those two guys shot it the best from three. Everybody else was pretty much awful. And out of 13 free throws, he only missed two. So Marcus Smart, he had a solid series. It, it was it was fine. It was fine. But again, the shooting, you know. Wasn't great from the field. He was okay from three. That was another guy who was okay from three. Al Horford had a subpar series for him. He was horrendous from three from the field as well. He only shot two free throws in this series. So that just tells you all that you need to know right there. Uh, Robert Williams. Still, he only played about 18 minutes a game, guys, so you need to ramp that up, that's for sure. And then Grant Williams, off your bench, eh, well, like the got more, but it was what it was, so. Anyhow, so that's your Boston story. Now, what's next for Boston? I think all things considered, it was a good debut season from Coach Joe Mazzula. I think, given the circumstances, he had overall a pretty good year. I know maybe Boston fans may not feel that way, but I thought he did. And, you know, it's his first year. He can only grow from this. 
being that they made the finals the previous year, you would say this is a step back. I don't say that. I, I think this is pretty much kind of a lateral move where if things went for them the right way in Game 7, we'll be singing another tune about them going to back-to-back finals. But nonetheless, they came up short. So, What happens now with Jalen Brown? There's been a lot of talk and speculation about an unhappy locker room. I guess him playing second fiddle to Jason Tatum. So there's talk surrounding that. He does have a year left at $31.8 million. So, you know, there's talk he may want a Supermax. He was third team All-NBA. So there's that. Big decision to be made in terms of Brad Stevens and that Boston organization in that regard. I think you need a healthy season from Robert Williams III. I think if you get that, I think you will see some improvement here, guys. Oh, and Malcolm Brogdon, he didn't have that great a series for them guys. In fact, he ended up missing a game with injuries. So, remember, he had the very good series, the series prior. So, and your potential free agents, Danilo Gallinari, who did not play for them at all. He had the torn ACL. Grant Williams, he has a qualifying offer, so I would imagine the Boston would be wise to bring him back. And then Mike Muscala, who has a team option, so we'll see what happens there. But for your most part, all of your other players are under contract, so there's that. Alright, so with that said, let us now look at the NBA Finals. We have our matchup, guys. The number one Denver Nuggets, who will be the home team, versus the Miami Heat. What Denver must do, I think continued dominance from Nikolai Jokic, of course, Jamal Murray. Also, balance scoring that you've been getting so far from these guys. Michael Porter Jr., also from Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon. Catavius Caldwell Pope, who's the one player who actually has final experience here. So you continue to get those kind of performances, you're in good shape. They have to close in on the Miami three-point shooters, man. I think the three-point shooting, although it wasn't the greatest in the last two games, but some of these guys can get hot from out there, and you want to guard against that, that's for sure. And then what Miami must do. They're going to have to get continued support from their role players. Guys like Khalid Martin, guys like Gabe Vincent, Matt Struess has to step up. Solid play from Kyle Lowry. I think you're going to need more of Kevin Love in this series, especially going against the likes of Jokic. I think you're going to need him. You need Bam to step up his game. He's going to need to do that, especially with the Joker coming in the door. And they must find a way to contain Joker, contain Jamal Murray. They have to in order to have a chance. Key matchups. Jamal Murray versus Matt Strews versus Kyle Lowry. It's going to have to be a combination of those guys that try and stop this kid. But he's been on a tear, guy. So we'll see what happens there. Nikolai Jokic versus Bam. Probably see some Kevin Love on him as well, but nobody's been able to slow down this big man, so I don't see Miami being able to as well. Jimmy Butler versus probably a Michael Porter Jr., uh, Aaron Gordon. I think you'll see a steady diet of those guys. 
Maybe a Jeff Green slides in, but Jimmy Butler, yeah, you're going to have to put bodies in front of him, that's for sure. And then this one is kind of low-key, guys, but I think this could play a part. Khalid Martin and Gabe Vincent versus Catavius Caldwell-Pope and Bruce Brown. I think it's a low-key matchup, but I think the tandem that has the most success in this series, their team will win the series, I think. My prediction... Denver and five, guys. Denver and five. Denver has been hot. They've only lost three games in these playoffs. They won all their home games. That home court advantage for Denver is huge, guys. I don't see Miami recovering in time for that game up in that Denver air on Thursday, June 1st. I don't see them. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they get blown out that first game in Denver. Whether they adjust by game two, who knows, but I see it. Denver taking two games at home, probably getting the game in Miami because back in Miami, they're not world beaters on that floor. We saw what Boston did getting two games on their home floor. And I guess out of pride, Miami gets one, but I think Denver all in all gets this one in five guys in five. You know, they'll say, oh, Miami's capable of winning on the road. Someone's got to convince me somebody can go into Denver and get a win. Somebody's got to convince me of that because I haven't seen it happen yet. So I've seen teams go into Miami get wins. I haven't seen anybody go to Denver and get wins. So I'm picking Denver in five. All right, guys. So that is it for me. I still owe you guys a Knicks season wrap up. I'll do that. And of course... You got the NBA draft coming up soon, so we'll deal with that. And then, of course, WNBA basketball getting underway as well. So we'll talk about all of it, guys. All right. So on that note, that is it for me. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk soon. So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www all things basketball with gd.com you can also email me at that sports gd at gmail.com to support this podcast you can go to my paypal and that email is that sports gd at gmail.com also on my anchor page i have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So... Once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast and take care and be safe.